customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Thursday, February 24th. Derek Van Riper, you know, Saris here with you. Wrapping up what has become a fortnight about pitching with closers. This is our 2022 closer episode. And by that, I mean this is our 2022 reliever episode. Because closers are increasingly difficult to find. The game continues to change. And we're seeing as much helium as I think I've ever seen on the top end closers in the pool because having elite skills and a very firm hold on a clear ninth inning role, uh, hard to find. And I think people are increasingly willing to pass up on a very good player early to secure a large share of their saves in the early rounds and kind of say, hey, I'll just figure out the rest later. I'll figure out how to backfill on bats. I think it leads us to an opening conversation though you know about what you do in leagues where you have control over the rules like we're talking a lot this time of year about nfbc style leagues draft and hold formats where you can't make in-season moves that's a very small percentage of leagues that people play in in the community at large so if i give you commissioner tools i'm not going to make you actually be the commissioner of the league i'm just going to give you the authority to change the rules of a league are you changing the categories that we use to value relievers and if so how are you changing them I am having a negative visceral reaction to where closers are going in current NFBC drafts. I I can't stand it. I, I don't know if I'm like an old man shouting the clouds, but like seeing closers go in the second round uh, makes my brains itch. You have more than one? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> 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 I need to get so dirty early in the day. Um, the, <laughs> the, the, but I just don't, I don't, I, it doesn't make sense. We were talking off air about uh, what the implication would be if, if you saying that, that two of the top 10 pitchers by ADP in NFBC right now are closers. Uh, the implication would be that the Hall of Fame is filled with uh, the 20% of the pitchers in the Hall of Fame are closers, you know, because that's how we value. Uh, that's how we value closers in fantasy baseball. And it's not the case. 
you know, and um, I think there's good reason for that. Also, just in terms of uh, year to year quality and 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 who keeps their roles, how role dependent is your value? You know, like how much value does a typical hitter lose if they go from their second second spot in the batting role to the fifth? You know, they still retain a good portion of their value. When the closer all of a sudden is throwing in the seventh inning instead of the ninth inning, he's got zero value. Zero. He goes to zero in most leagues. Uh, unless he's like Chad Green or something. But Right. And in that group of players, is pretty small, too. The guys that you, oh, yeah. in non-holds leagues or non-saves plus holds leagues, the relievers that you want to have on your roster and in your lineup who are not getting saves, it's a handful every year. And and I and I like I like that people have identified, especially in deeper leagues, that there are relievers that are good enough to roster them without saves. So Chad Green style. However, the list is not like you're saying. The list is really small because of the inherent unstickiness of reliever production year to year. So you might think. You know, oh, this this pitcher had a really great season, and even if he's not the closer next year, he's going to be great next year. Um, and I think if you said that about ten pitchers, maybe three or four would would have would be great again the next year. You know, um, and then you uh, spent a spot without any chance of saves. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, you know, we'll talk about this today. But I think the best case, the best thing to do. Uh, da- like end game style is to pick the pick good pitchers behind less good pitchers. Uh, I guess it's called uh, skills, not roles. Yep. You know, and and do that. But how do you foment that on a uh, when it comes to like a league? Like how do you how do you emphasize skills, not roles, with relievers in a fantasy league? Like how do you do that as a commissioner? Yeah, I, th- I think. Having some kind of of combination of saves and holds is probably the best way to go. I don't like holds as a standalone category, but I think if you add them to the saves count, and if you could do, you know, one half of your holds plus your saves, or multiply saves by two and add all your holds, however you want to do it to make the count work. I actually like I like one and one. You like one and one. Well, because holds are actually a little bit. If you think the teams disperse their saves sort of erratically now and 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 across the board. Uh, holds are even more like that and it's easier for a manager to move a guy in and out of the holds role without having to talk to the media about it you know what i mean like you know you don't have to answer questions about why this pitcher is throwing the seventh instead of the eighth as much as you have to as soon as you know the closer is you know not doing so well and then all the media is like well is is he in danger of losing his job and then they give him the dreaded vote of confidence and then two days later there's a new closer uh you know that's a whole that's a whole rigmarole so what happens is that the guy getting saves gets saves a little bit more often than the guy getting holds there's more guys getting holds and splitting the holds and that that role is more fluid so there is still value in saves and holds leagues to getting closers there is still some value because they are more likely to get them. However, what it does is reduce the value of closers with respect to relievers in general and allow you to do something where you have like one really good closer or one good, like one fine closer and uh, two or three really good setup men. And then if you look at those drafts, uh, relievers, I think, are valued in the way that the league values relievers and that the Hall of Fame and that we sort of think of relievers generally. So. 
Yeah, I, I think. Sorry to any relievers that are listening. <laughs> yeah, sorry relievers. <laughs> we love you. It's a tough life. It's a really tough life. I mean, I think the longer term answer is probably developing a better stat to measure the effectiveness of shorter appearances, non-starter appearances, we could call them. Because I think we've also got these guys now in the opener role. And I think they're sometimes good pitchers who are facing the top of the order to begin the game. And that matters. So if you had some kind of stat that basically rewarded a scoreless inning, a full inning or more at any point during the game in which you're not in a blowout situation, maybe, or maybe the blowout doesn't even matter. Scoreless inning is a scoreless inning. So uh, if if you have good skills and, and you're just doing your job, then that'll shine through. Maybe something as simple as that is actually a better solution than holds, which are an unofficial statistic and have two slightly different definitions. At least they did at the last time I saw uh, the stat providers and how those worked. So that that leads to its own little series of headaches. And not every box score shows holds. So yeah, well that's we that's can, annoying. We could tweak that, I think. But uh, uh, also uh, innings. Does that capture some of this? Just straight innings as a category? I think so. And I think the other structural change you could make if we did a better job within the player pool of of tagging players as relievers or starters. I know the SPARP leagues and the SPARP role, like you have these guys that caught in the middle and they become super valuable. If we had some better system for that and we required teams to have deeper groups of active pitchers and that included a longer list of actual relievers, that would help as well. And then the last thing I can think of is WPA, win probability added. Uh, sort of a story stat that says, you know, what was the team's win probability when you entered the game? Or what, is it, when was, what was it when you left? And you get credit for that. Mm-hmm. I think it has that has some leverage built into it. Um, and uh, so there could be something to like to, to that. I, I don't know. Let me let me just do a real quick. Uh, Eno's doing the computer in front of us thing. Uh, but what I'm just going to do is re- qualified relievers last year. This is all relievers by win probability added. And let's see here. Number one is Josh Hader. Okay. He, he was so. exclusively a ninth inning guy last year. He did not do the thing where he came in before the ninth inning and, and got four or five or six outs. They they used him as much as like as a traditional closer as they any really team did. used anyone last year. Uh, let me just uh, uh, throw it. Like, I'll just do Romano second, Iglesias third. Okay, so I'm not going to list everybody, but I do want to list some names that were not closers that are in the top 10 or top 15, right? So this is these are the types of pitchers that we would start to value higher. Ian Kennedy, Kendall Graveman, Jonathan Loisega. So that makes me happy, right? Because I think Loisega is a good reliever. And I think he's a good pitcher. And so it's nice to see him get some credit. Um, number 13 was Josh Stomont. 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 Uh, number 14 was Blake Trinan in a year that he wasn't the closer. Number 15 is Devin Williams. And number 16 was Andrew Chafin. So WPA does an interesting job, I think, uh, of just and, and Whitlock's in the top 30 and... Yeah, I, I think that's uh, WPA is interesting. And then the last, I guess the very last thing, Fangraphs has this. I don't know. I've never seen a league uh, use this, but shutdowns and meltdowns. Mm. Yeah. Um, those are just like clean innings versus bad innings. Um, and if I if I like sort by shutdowns, 
Number one is Tyler Rogers. Number two is Will Smith, which is a little bit problematic to me because I don't think he's the most amazing reliever, but um, and he's not very good by WPA, so that's that's an interesting one. But at least he he keeps the he kept the things clean, and that's what you want. Um, Adam Ottavino and Chad Green are nine and ten. So there's some ideas. I think you'd have to, uh, you know, put a shout out to your if you want to shut down meltdown, you have to have to ask someone to do some heavy lifting for you <laughs> or do the actual box score work. Yeah, but conceptually, that's closer to what we want. I, I know that win probability added, it, it's probably too much of a black box to use it as a fantasy category. But conceptually, that's the group of relievers that we're hoping to make mm-hmm. more valuable because you shouldn't be seeking out pitchers that are just okay pitchers with great job security. That's not a great game to play in the long run. I think we're, we're seeing the downside of that. We don't really want tons of Joe Borowski's rostered. No, I'm sorry, Joe Borowski, if he's listening to the podcast. Look, I, I don't think any active <laughs> he has, or he's former super relievers listen. Because I, he's, he's my whipping post. <laughs> Is he the name you always come up with? You're always like, yes, he's the name guy. I always come up with for mediocre guy that just... <laughs> he could still just throw gas right by you, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I just saw Eric Gagne at 46 throwing 86 without a warm-up. Yeah, okay. Today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I can't hit that. So let's get into the actual closer pool for this season. Tier 1, as we kind of hinted at a little earlier, going inside the top 30 overall in recent NFBC drafts. Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader from a skills perspective and from a job security perspective, I have no issues with these guys. Obviously, they're at the top of the list for a reason. I have one issue i'd like to bring up oh you have an issue please sir liam hendricks was dfa'd like three years ago that's baseball susan i just wanted to point that out <laughs> no that's that's the life i'm of not saying anything bad about him i mean it, it looks it all looks good now but he was dfa'd he was a really bad starter and that, of course a lot of relievers were bad starters but he was a reliever when he got dfa'd so i don't know that's the fair point, actually. I'm, I'm just, being it's, a little facetious. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, I know. Yeah, it is because he's he's throwing harder than he did when he was DFA'd, and that's the big deal. But at the same time, you know, that's that's the razor's edge you live on as a reliever. Maybe DFAing him was actually just a clear mistake, though. You just, just look, I mean, I think it pretty obviously was now. Like the, the previous track record to his time in Oakland even good season back in Toronto back in 2015 he was good yeah, that he was year. a better reliever yeah he was good pretty good at the beginning of his time but he in didn't Oakland. throw as hard as he's throwing now until he came back from the DFA yeah yeah and I think what would give me a lot of confidence is if you look at how often he'd get hit in the zone back before the velo jump versus how often he gets hit in the zone now there's a pretty clear difference even though that number did tick up a little bit in 2021 compared to his 19 and 20 zone contact rates that's the league now is get the awesome stuff and throw it down the middle yeah so i would say we've seen we've seen enough now to where i don't think liam hendricks turns back into some sort of dfa pumpkin i think the question with liam hendricks would be the white Sox are a team with world series aspirations right now they have a super bullpen they have other guys they could put in that spot he's got the big contract he's got the success in the role is it kind of like a Kenley Jansen situation where because of what he's done already, he's got plenty of wiggle room if things aren't going well? Or do they say, we got these other guys that can get the job done, so 
we're going to go to Graveman or we're going to go to Crochet or we're going to go to Bummer. Like they, they have plenty of other guys like, and they still have Craig Kimbrell because they haven't traded mm-hmm. him yet, right? So they have a loaded bullpen right now. I guess it's the only other thing kind of looming in the background, but this this really isn't my case against Liam Hendricks. It's more of just a, an open question as to how much they would let Is him struggle. Is there more risk there than than his ADP suggests, right? Just as by means of being in a Super Bowl pin. And I don't think Josh Hader necessarily escapes that either, right? You said Devin Williams was top 15 in Jake win probability. Jake number one reliever by Stuff Plus. Right, and they keep unearthing quality arms for that bullpen from unexpected places. I think the ri- only risk with Hader is a trade, and if he does get traded, he's probably still the closer reland. So It'd be pretty strange uh, to trade for him and to not give him at least a large share of the saves i asked our beat writer this is this is one of the this is my use of slack is i <laughs> pester i pester our our awesome beat writers at the athletic about stuff from my drafts so like i did bug james vegan about like why kimbrell hadn't been traded yet uh and he said that the sense is he'll still be traded that it just may come down to uh the end of the off season so uh James They're, is such a nice guy, too. To get. You're just you're just getting at him <laughs> in the Slack DMs, and he's just just trying to be a nice guy and live his life over there. And you're just, it's okay. I return uh, serve by answering questions about stats. It's uh, that's fine. All right, you got a fair information exchange happening there. So yeah. <laughs> the bigger question with Hendricks and Hater is if this continues to be the price throughout draft season. There's no reason to believe this is going to change. Second and third round. Oh god. You're not willing to do this. I mean, because I'm getting my ace and my second best hitter. Then right, you're mm-hmm. choosing Hader and Hendricks over Shane Bieber or Julio Urias or Lucas Giolito or Aaron Nola. Uh, that's those just are the starting pitchers that go in that range. Obviously, if we start talking about you know hitters around that part of the board. You're looking at Jordan Alvarez. You're looking at Whit Merrifield, Tim Anderson, Cedric Mullins. Uh, if you're an early catcher person, Sal Perez goes there. Aaron Judge goes in that range. So those are the types of players you're passing on if you're going to the very Here's top the of the Here's the only board. way I would end up with Hendricks and Hader. I'm not even sure this is possible by, by ADP. Is if I went hitter in the first round and Urias and Alcantara were gone, I would actually maybe take Hendricks and Hader over the Giolito-Nola crowd. It could happen if you had if you had an early draft slot in the order, right? One through three. Maybe it's a twelve teamer, probably not a fifteen teamer. I was thinking back end where I'm the back end of the third round. So mm. I can't get Hendricks or Hader then. They're not gonna fall that far. Even in a twelve. I don't think you're gonna have both sitting so you, there. Early but early third? It'd be the two three turn from an early position. I think you'd be looking at them as like pick 24 and 25 and a 12 team all right so then i would go something like uh soto uh hendrix uh merrifield or something right do something speed. else so you you would consider one there because you're worried from that position of the third round playing out the closer run starting the fourth round coming all the way back and maybe the second tier starting to disappear because there is this mm-hmm massive amount of focus because there's so much yeah there's so much the, the, the closers are going so high like not even the first two like let's go to the next tier like show them sometimes i miss out on them by waiting that round yeah the next group starts to come off the board around pick 40 right now ricel iglesias is in this group. third round pick firm third rounder at a 15 teamer second and tier closer <laughs> like your early early to mid fourth round if you're in a 12 teamer so Rysel Iglesias Emmanuel Classe Edwin Diaz and Ryan Presley I would say are all kind of clustered together 
you could stretch this tier down even further. But if you think about it more in terms of blocks of rounds, that's the next group that you'd be looking at kind of in that four or five range. These are safe roll guys with really good stuff. Uh, not too obvious who is pushing them for their role. I mean, I like Ryan Stanek, but I like Brian Presley a lot better. Ryan Presley had like a top three or four stuff plus uh, among relievers. Uh, I know he doesn't throw super hard, but he has a really great breaking ball. He also didn't lose much in the stuff enforcement, so he seems fine. Class A, 100-mile-an-hour cutter. Uh, what more can you say? Um, and uh, Rice Iglesias, uh, just actually just a really good pitcher. Like He's a multiple-pitch guy. He's not just a two-pitch guy. That I think that allows him a little bit of safety uh, if he loses a half-tick or a tick. And also that bullpen, I don't think. What am I? Who's, who's pushing in there? Nobody. I mean, Mike Myers has a below average stuff plus. You like Aaron Loop, dude. I Aaron Loop I love, but he's a lefty and he's kind of a side armor. I that's not there's you know, we've 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 got Tyler Rogers and that's it. <laughs> I've been kind of in this spot where I, I keep getting Ryan Presley in my early drafts because mm-hmm. position wise I have not been in the spot to feel good about the Hader or Hendricks options most of the time. So that's just been off the table in the snake draft so far. And as this group runs off I don't have any concerns about Iglesias. I think you're right. As a three-pitch closer, plenty of stability there. You could lose a little velo. I think you can find a way around it. Class A is really young. I don't think the velo is going to drop enough for that to be a problem. And it's it's not a straight 100. It's it's gross. It's a lot of movement. Karinchak's mm-hmm. collapse last year also gives him a lot more buffer if he runs into a stretch where he's not pitching well. With Presley... We've got multiple years now in the role. Skills that are maybe a notch below the likes of Hendricks and Hayter, but if you're grading job stability A through F, he's an A for for job security. And I think Edwin Diaz, the last guy that I, I always think about in this group, he kind of falls more into the next tier. Like This is a tier 2A for me. 2A and 2B are the way I look at it. I like these four guys definitely better than the next handful. Like I prefer all of them. But Edwin Diaz... It's like for the skills he has, his his up and down nature in that role is more it's more volatile than it should be. A guy with that stuff, with those results, shouldn't be someone we're worried about. Super bad command. And then here's a here's a list. I uh, uh, I I've avoided doing this, and I wouldn't do it in print. I don't really want to tweet. I'm not trying to shame anybody. Uh, you know, I think the sticky stuff enforcement was a really complicated thing. Uh, pitchers were all using it, and then they it was the enforcement was done in the middle of the season. I didn't like that. Uh, I'm not trying to uh to to put these guys under the microscope as you know. I'm not even say the word like you know what I mean. Like I'm not trying to. This is not a shaming episode. But what I do think is that this that relievers. Uh, you know, stuff plus and, and pitching plus pro- are better than projections for relievers. So this is really meaningful. We're talking about small sample guys. And um, so I have to give this list because I think it's important and it's important for people to know this. These are the biggest uh, stuff plus losers after the pitch, after the pitching enforcement was done, after the stuff enforcement was done. And I'm gonna. I'm only gonna list the guys who lost more than 11 stuff plus, right? So it's huge. Like I think if you lose four or five, there's some guys on the list that lose lost four or five that I'm not even sure used anything because you're talking about like Marcus Stroman lost five in the second half last year. 
I mean, he's like a sinker baller. I don't, I don't think actually that you like in a lot of ways he wouldn't benefit from it. Uh, Casey Mize is a splitter guy. He lost five in the second half. I don't know. I don't. I, I kind of doubt uh, a lot of those guys. But eleven to twelve is like just really eye opening. And this list is super important for people that are going to be doing that are going to be trying to find undervalued relievers this year. Number one in the biggest stuff plus loss, James Karinchak went from 122 stuff plus to 97. Relievers with a 97 stuff plus number usually don't sniff late inning rolls, right? I mean, that's not There is not close. a single closer this year that had a 97 plus stuff plus last year. Yeah. So I just I feel like that's super important. I see people taking Rich Rodriguez. Richard Rodriguez, number two, he went from 114 to 99. Here's the name that pains me to say. I'm really, the next two names are really painful for me to say. Kenley Jansen went from 116 uh, down all the way to 98.6. That may have something to do why he's still out there. I think it has something to do why the Dodgers didn't resign him, other than the fact that Blake Trinan still uh, number one or number, number two in stuff loss among relievers. So that's something to think about when you're drafting him. I like Matt Barnes as a reliever. He went from 115 to 101 stuff plus. That's that's a bit rough. Jake McGee, all fastballs, and we found that that uh, the sticky stuff enforcement would would affect fastballs more than anything because of that. You need that ride. Jake McGee went from 101 stuff plus to 87. Uh, that's rough, rough. Craig Kimbrell, right after him, 126 to down to 113. Still pretty good at the end, right? Yeah, still pretty good. Yeah. Edwin Diaz, 118 to 106. And he has pretty poor command. So going down to 106, I think, might affect him maybe more than some others. Also, of course, sticky stuff has something to do with with, uh, command. You know, that's what pitchers say they use it for. Um, And then the next one is Sam Howard. I'll be honest, I I don't really know who that is. But um, anyway... Uh, that's your list. Uh, and, um, uh, the, uh, the, there are some really important names on there. I think I have a share of Craig Kimbrell and he was one where even post stuff plus he had a 104 post, um, enforcement, 113 plus enforcement, still pretty good. I think, I think I can deal with him. It's, it's not surprising to see Craig Kimbrell on this list though, right? Like we saw the brown spot on his hat forever. Um, I think this might be enough for me not to draft Edwin Diaz and Kenley Jansen, though. I mean, it, this really affects uh, how I will work, I think, in the reliever pool going forward. Yeah, I think that is really interesting. I think the other part of the, the Diaz equation, too, is that that's an improving group of relievers behind him. So their mm. their past frustrations with him, even though it usually turns out yeah, He's lost okay, it before, right? He's lost it before, and he's gotten it back. I mean, 32 saves last year, 26 saves back in, in 2019. That was with a 559 ERA in 2019 for Edwin Diaz. It's definitely not as, as firm of a hold on the role as you'd like it to be for where he goes, uh, despite interesting skills. And I think what you're referring to here with the stuff uh, being a problem once that crackdown occurred, that's another reason to be wary of him as a very high-priced option. I think that's the key for me here is I don't, I don't want to make a mistake. If I'm paying a premium for a reliever, I do not want to be the the person that gets the wrong guy or wrong guys out mm-hmm. of this range because you're gonna get roasted. Like aside from like you gave up value from a pure dollar standpoint 
just by choosing closers in this range compared to the hitters and, and starting pitchers available. Oh, yeah. Your auction calculator is not going to spit out a, a third or fourth round value for these closers. When you do that, there's more pressure to be right. So, uh, yeah, I, I could I could get on board with your, your case. I guess the only thing Diaz. I want to say about Presley that's negative is he had knee injuries. You know, he's had those. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had surgery. Uh, it could come back to bite him. But, uh, you know, that's why there's a little bit cheaper. I think I'm okay with uh, Presley. At least it hasn't been arm stuff. And, you know, some, like I think you can come back. For, as long as you don't tear your ACL or something, I think you can come back from knee surgery a little bit faster than, you know, devastating arm injuries. So. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The next cluster kind of runs off in the next couple of rounds, like the kind of round six, round seven range earlier if we're talking about a 15-team league. But that group includes Aroldis Chapman, Jordan Romano, Will Smith, Kenley Jansen, and Giovanni Gallegos. You can already see things start to break down in this group. We're, we're beginning, I think, to see significant skills concerns with Chapman. There have been underlying problems with his command, I think, from the first time you've ever presented uh, some command numbers back at first pitch Arizona like four years ago. And we saw a really high walk rate from Chapman last year, 15.6%. That is a problem. He had a home run issue. We saw a new pitch, which is interesting. It's it's good, but it's also like, oh, Chapman, you know, senses it. I just, I think there's a, there's, there's kind of an Edwin Diaz feel to Chapman where he goes for me too, where I, I don't know. I don't know if he's as stable as he was in the past. So I'm not as excited about the skills and the job securities I would have been previously with him. So I haven't really gone that direction. Romano, I know he's someone that you liked based on the model going to last season. It took a little while for the opportunity to end up becoming his. But I'm curious if you have confidence in the Jays sticking with one guy and with Romano being that guy. Yeah. Um, let me see here. I have the Fangraphs roster resource uh, depth charts up and Jordan Romano is bested only by Liam Hendricks, um, Ryan Presley, and Blake Trinan and Josh Hader. Uh, at the top of uh, any bullpen depth chart uh, by Stuff Plus. So that's a good group of people. Uh, I'm betting on Romano. I have a fair amount, like I have a good amount of shares of Romano. I love Romano in this tier. I think Romano and Chapman, I want to stay away from the back end of this tier. tier. Uh, I mentioned that Kenley Jansen is uh, showed up on that that last list. Uh, Will Smith is one of four closers that have that have below average stuff, and the other three are like last tier. So like, 
Will Smith is absolutely not who I'm taking. And then I, I also want to point out that Will Smith is surrounded by pitchers that are better than him. I just don't think that's a good way place to like to put a bet. Uh, by Stuff Plus, Tyler Matzek, 10 points better than him. Uh, there was a good piece by uh, Jordan. Uh, Jordan in Finland is his, uh, is his Twitter handle. I had his, had his actual name. That's just, it's just rude. I need to see Eno's notes at some point. I need to like, just, we need to get an over the shoulder camera just to see. <laughs> well, he did a really cool piece where he took uh, stuff plus and put it into projections, which is something that I, I had planned to do, uh, Jordan Rosenblum and he did it on Rotoballer. So if you want to see that, he, uh, he did some projections w- so where he changed the K minus BB using stuff and, and, uh, location plus any case, uh, why was I talking about him? You've talked about Will Smith. Oh, uh, he said that, uh, what did he say in his piece? I think that, uh, four, four points of stuff plus was two points of uh, strikeout rate or something. You'll have to look for yourself, but uh, there's like a really good correlation between strikeout rate and stuff plus. And so uh, to have a 10-point difference, Tyler Matzek is going to strike out way more batters than Will Smith this year. Luke Jackson has a 15-point difference. A.J. Minter has a 13-point difference. Those three pitchers are all better than Will Smith. And they have three lefties, so I don't think there's any risk uh, of you know saying, oh, well, A.J. Minter's a lefty, so he won't close. Then you also saw AJ Minter do awesome things in the in the playoffs. Yeah, he seems like he's back. He had that that car accident. I think it was leading into was it nineteen or twenty. He had that that car accident that messed up his shoulder, and he looked like he was Ooh. peak AJ Minter again. Thank you for that. I was I was looking for a reason behind that. I found shoulder inflammation, but I didn't find the car accident. I'll check that out. But yeah, I think AJ Minter is all the way back. Uh, Tyler Matzek, if he does, if he has a good command year, could easily take that role. So I'm not betting on... I have zero shares of Will Smith, and I will continue to have zero shares of Will Smith. Yeah, Smith has uh, a multi-year home run issue that is seemingly not going away, and his walk rate was at a four-year high in 2021. There's a pitch that he threw... All it takes is like you know four or five homers in two weeks, and you can lose the role. And again, I think this is just a, a bad situation because of the quality of alternatives Atlanta has at their disposal, as you, as you outline. That's a huge problem for someone like Will Smith at this point Uh, Gallegos is the skills play of this group that I've always liked and we have a new manager Ali Marmol taken over from Mike Schilt so whatever changes come from that and and whether or not the front office wants one guy to be the dedicated closer I think that's a a fair question because for years I've looked at Gallegos and said this guy should be the closer and year after year he wasn't their closer 14 saves in 2021 once he got the role, still had great ratios. He's had three straight seasons now, including the shortened season, with a whip below .9. It's fantastic. He's run low threes ERAs uh, for the last couple of seasons, well, 360 back in the shortened season, but plenty of strikeouts, a good walk rate. What are the issues with Gallegos other than job security, if any? Yeah, I think it's just that it's a little bit like the Will Smith situation where there are really good clo- really good pitchers around him. However, by Stuff Plus, uh, none of them are as good as him. Uh, Jordan Hicks is the closest at 111. He's at 112 Stuff Plus. So I've actually used Jordan Hicks. I just finished a draft where I used Jordan Hicks as a late handcuff to Gallegos. Alex Reyes is so wild, and the Stuff Plus is not even that amazing at 102. Plus, they're always talking about making him a starter. 
Uh, Genesis Cabrera is a good is a good pitcher. Um, you know, Ryan Helsley is a good pitcher. TJ McFarland, good pitcher, but I don't. None of them have a, a one ten better stuff plus. Um, and uh, so I, I think maybe Gallegos is a little bit safer than people think. I think people are looking too hard at Alex Reyes, but that's re- that's really wild. It's wildness to the point where and injury, right? It's wildness plus injury risk in any given year. Um, Reyes never really uh, seems to. He seems like less than the sum of his stuff. The sum of his parts for some reason. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because it's filthy when he's got it all working. But this the second part of tier two is a group that I'm not overly enthused about. I like Jordan Romano, I think, the most of the group. If you gave me any sort of firm indicator that Gallegos is the closer like to begin the season, it's clearly his job, then I probably would put him second. I think with Jansen, we have to see where he signs to know for sure. It just seems weird to me that a team would sign Kenley Jansen. You would you would go Romano Gallegos Chapman? That's how far down you are in Chapman? I think what it is is I'm just passing where Chapman goes and then he's just not going to be there later, right? Like it, it's straight up mm-hmm. dollar for dollar in a in an auction situation. Sure, I could see going the extra buck on, on Chapman because of all three of those guys, he seems the least likely to be replaced even with his flaws. I think if he loses the role, it's mostly like injury or something. It's, it, you know, he's gotten close to losing the role, but he's never lost it. Yeah, I I don't know. I would go Chapman, Romano, Gallegos and pass on the other two. But I think what happens is there's this whiff of desperation in the air when you get to this range. Because if you didn't get one of Hendricks or Hayter and you didn't get into that 2A group with Iglesias or Presley or Diaz or Class A. I was desperate when I took Gallegos. I was like, I there's nothing after this. I'm really this. Gallegos is there's a cliff after it, I think. I'm I'm eager to see the next tier because. I was like, ah, and took Gallegos. <laughs> getting, getting one out of the first three blocks that we talked about seems to be a priority for a lot of people. You don't have to play it that way. You can take your shots later. Tier three is so large oh. that it like adds an extra line on the but screen. Come on, already, you're, you're already, your stomach drops. You're like, these, these are still in the top. I mean, we're talking about top 20 closers here. Like, wh- how many closers have we counted? We have got through eleven so far, and now the next the, the next band from an ADP standpoint is almost eighty to it ninety is picks. Such a minefield, dude. I could have probably chopped this into two groups. I actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna chop this into two groups for my own for my own sanity. I think we're gonna say three A, and we're gonna cut it off. Check this out. You're gonna like this group a lot better than the giant monstrosity that was just on the screen. How about that? Can we, can we live with that? Tier 3A, yeah. Mark Melanson, Camilo Doval, Craig Kimbrell, Corey Knables. I think I see a little a, a mini drop. Uh, what, do, what do you call that out here? It's not a not a peak, not a mountain, uh, a little little plateau. Foothill? A foothill, yes. We're talking about a foothill. Very good. <laughs> watch out for cyclists there uh, all over in the foothills. Tier 3A, Mark Melanson, Camilo Doval, Craig Kimbrell, Corey Knable. It's weird. Like I, I don't want to talk myself into drafting a guy whose skills I'm not in love with. The interesting thing about Mark Melanson, though, if I look at the surface numbers, I'm not excited in terms of strikeout rate. I just don't think he fits as the late-inning guy that you want him to be. Why would Arizona sign him if they weren't going to use him as the closer? Mm-hmm. And how much can we trust underlying numbers, like the Stuff Plus model in this case, to say it doesn't matter that he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. He's pretty difficult for guys to square up and that seems to be a legitimate skill that's going to keep him clinging on to that job 
Yeah, I think um, I think cutters are really hard to evaluate. I think when we I think it was when we put Seamshift Awake in, but there's some point one of the updates we made to Stuff Plus last year uh, really helped Corbin Burns and his cutter. Uh, and if I think about the closers I've missed on, like Alex Colomay and Mark Melanson in the past, a fair amount of them have been cutter pitchers, you know, that don't have the most amazing velocity, but do have a cutter and don't have amazing strikeout rates. I mean, Colomay has been doing it. He had like, what did you say? He had 17 saves last year? Yeah, he led the Twins in saves last year. They also so gave weird. Taylor Rogers a handful. He had like nine, which is about... 10 less than I expected. If you told me, hey, how many saves did Taylor Rogers had? I would have guessed about 20. And yeah, no, he had less than 10. It, it is true that better teams give more save chances. It's be- it's true that better bullpens lead to more save chances. This is not a very good bullpen. If you look at it, uh, him and Noe Ramirez are really the only ones with standout stuff. J.B. Wendelkin is pretty close to average. Um, Caleb Smith is not, and Tyler Widener is not. So... You'd be really hoping that uh, Wendelkin and Noe Ramirez can hand the ball over to him. They're probably not good enough to push him for the job. So he might be uh, Joe Borowski-esque, or at least oatmeal, uh, oatmeal for the position, where there's just not that much uh, pushing him. And he, let's say he doesn't get a ton of save chances, like you know, like a Chapman or, or a Romano or somebody on a better team with a good bullpen around him. I, th- I still think he'll get like 20 to 25 save chances. So let's give him 25 save chances, 23 saves, you know, 8K9, like whatever. It's not it's not great, but um, I've, I have one share of Melanson as a second closer. Um, and honestly, compared to the rest of these guys, I think his role is way, it's a role play. You just think that he's got a safe role. Camilo Duvall, I love his stuff. The Giants seem to be doing the Rays approach to the bullpen where they've really, really mixed around the saves. Tyler Rogers actually has the best stuff plus on that thing, and they've used him as a closer despite his funky delivery. So I could see Doval throwing the seventh, keeping him cheaper in arbitration and blah, 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 and 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 striking out a lot of guys in the seventh with the high the high heat stuff. And Tyler Rogers comes in and funks out the, the ninth, you know? So like I don't. I I like Doval, but I don't know that he's the closer. Kimbrel, you're 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 waiting for the the trade. There could be some weird thing where they're like, "Hey, we're just gonna keep him, have a super bullpen, like because nobody's offering us anything." That is that's what is it? it's like a ten percent possibility. It's still a possibility. And then Corey Kniebel, uh, Kimbrel, one of the best destinations of Kimbrel is Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, that's not it's not what I'm excited to see. I mean, the way it stands right now, Corey Kniebel basically took the spot of Hector Neris in the Philadelphia bullpen. Neris is now mm. the old Kendall Graveman in Houston. Like He's the next guy up if something does happen to Presley. Uh, and I'd be pretty excited about Neris outside of Philadelphia because he's had a home run issue. And I think going to Houston might help soften that a little bit. Knable, from a skill standpoint, might be the guy that I like the most of all these players. I do think the Philly possibility for Kimbrell is real. There's other places he could go, so I'm not necessarily avoiding Knable because of this high probability of that particular trade. I think you're right to point out the possibility that the White Sox just hold him for a little while and and see how things go. I think the other problem with Doval, aside from the Giants maybe being very willing to mix and match, even if he's part of the closer picture, maybe he's the guy that gets 10 or 12 and someone else, Rogers, whoever, gets 20 plus. Like That could easily be the script again. The walk rate was pretty bad for Doval everywhere prior to his big league arrival last year. 
So I'm curious to see if that's a skill that he's legitimately locked in. Is he an 8% walk rate guy as a true talent for his control? Or could we look at the sample that's the same size at AAA from last season and go, hmm, 16.7% walk rate, that's a problem. Could we go back to high A in 2019 and say, hey, 13.9% walk rate, that might actually be a problem. It's more of a question than an answer, but I think where he's going, there's more certainty about Camilo Doval's role priced in than there probably should be at this point. That's what I'm saying, man. I was I'm I'm always a little surprised when he goes. To me, he's like an end game. Like, oh, this could be a good one, but it's not like he is a good one. You know, like it seems like he's people. He's even pushed thirty to forty picks at least ahead of some of guys. Just that, well, the next group. I mean, like look at the. Well, the, just think about the track record of Kimbrel next to Doval. <laughs> it's just weird. To, you know? <laughs> Yeah, the 3B group, which was previously part of this group until it you know broke off and it became its own thing. Scott Barlow is in here. Uh, Blake Trinan, David Bednar, Tyler Rogers. No, Taylor Rogers is here. Tyler Rogers mm-hmm. goes even later. Uh, Gregory Soto and Lucas Sims. So interesting group of names. I-, I think the Royals are a team that I have a terrible read on as far as whether or not they even want one guy to be their closer i guess we can start with that part of the question are the royals a committee by design are they a committee by lack of a clear obvious solution or is barlow emerging to finally be that guy because some of the teams of of royals past had very clearly defined roles in the bullpen but that was you know the ned yost royals of four to five years ago um yeah i I always thought it would be stomont um, and he used to have the best stuff numbers in that bullpen, but he also has pretty poor command. Uh, and he's had some bad injury issues, if I remember correctly. And so I guess I think that they were kind of maybe waiting for Stomont to take it, and he didn't. Um, Scott Barlow currently has the best stuff plus in that bullpen other than Dylan Coleman. Coleman throws hard. He's listed as the fifth guy. Uh, yeah, and that's interesting because Coleman, you know, w- one of the first things that I ever saw uh, any sort of correlation between uh, closing closing role and any sort of statistics, it was strikeout rate and fastball velo. And uh, Coleman is on a list of pitchers that throw harder than their than the closers in front of them. Um, let me see where that list is. I've got. Some interesting names on there. Um, Coleman is on there. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll bring up the rest later. Wendelkin uh, throws harder than than uh, than we already talked about him, but um, then Melanson. But uh, and then some other names to of, of bullpens we haven't gotten to yet. But I don't know. I think it, I think it's Barlow. I just not that interested in Barlow. Uh, you know, a 105 stuff plus is not actually that good among closers, um, and. Uh, I see a little bit of a chance for maybe Coleman to take it, and then also just how they've moved it around before. So I, I don't, I haven't ended up with Barlow, Scott Barlow anywhere. I, I, I've had some late Joe Barlow. Are they brothers? I don't 
know if they're related. It, I, it doesn't seem like a common name, so I'm no. inclined to say that, yes, they are relievers with the same last name that is not a common last name. Therefore, they're probably related. I will check baseball reference uh, as we get to Joe Barlow in a bit. Uh, Blake Trinan creeping up the board. This entire group keeps moving up as people get their guys. I think the Trinan ADP in February is around pick 160. I think if you look back to the earlier part of draft season, he was more of an outside the top 200 guy. Even at pick 160, I really like this because if they don't bring back Kenley Jansen, and I think there's a pretty good chance they won't, Trinan's probably their closer. I think they could be a team that goes the the route of ultra committee, and then we've got that problem to deal with. But if they have a committee, Trinan's a part of it. And if they have a committee that's not you know split up over three or four different guys, I think there's a very good chance you're still looking at 20 or 25 saves. And the bar in this range is set around that level. At this point, you're not expecting much more than 20 saves. You're hoping for 35 or 40 from anybody, but you're probably projecting and penciling in a much more reasonable number. Uh, the stuff plus numbers are off the charts. We've seen Trinan do this before. There's no reason to believe that that Blake Trinan can't still pitch at a level that's comparable to what Liam Hendricks and Josh Hader do at the very top of the board. And I think that's what makes him pop for me as such a great value is that he might even be a good enough reliever right now where you could still use him a bit in deeper mixed leagues, even if he's not the closer in Los Angeles. And as advanced as Los Angeles has been, uh, you know, when they had Kenley Jansen, at least they were into the the kind of the sole closer role. Um, you know, they are an incredible bullpen by stuff. Plus they would have, uh, there's like four guys here uh, on this list that would be, uh, better than like 20 other closers roles in, in baseball. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Daniel Hudson has a 114 stuff plus. Alex Vesia has a 110. Bruce Dar Gratterall has a 120. Phil Bickford has a 109. I mean, they're all of them better than any single re- reliever on the Royals. <laughs> uh so i mean it's 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 interesting because it's they're they're obviously a team that has a very similar stuff plus uh to the one we have uh they've made a lot of decisions that makes a lot of sense by stuff plus um and uh i like trying it because yeah i think he is in that list of we we were talking about earlier so the chad green-esque where i do think that no matter what he will return positive roto value next year uh, and even if they re-sign Jansen, I think that Trinan would get you know something like he did last year, seven, maybe ten saves, um, and uh, and just have lights out numbers. Like they they added a whole new pitch. He has a really cool pitch called the sweeper. They changed his breaking ball last year to a seam shifted wake uh, breaking ball called a sweeper. And uh, you know them, the Astros and the Yankees are are one of the few teams that are really teaching this to a lot of their, their acquiring players that that have certain aspects of their fastball that they think they can teach the sweeper to. Um, and uh, it's really been, and on the Dodgers, it's been Julio Urias's new breaking ball is a sweeper. Uh, Mitch White throws a sweeper. I mean, they, they, they are all into that one. And uh, I, I have a, more than a few shares of Trina. Trina is my favorite in this group other than David Bednar, who, uh, you know, I think he just has uh, the numbers. He's been uh, given some save opportunities. And, uh, you know, he, because he's on a bad team, people uh, don't want to look his way. But because he's on a bad team, I really don't think there's anybody on that team that can push him for the role. I know they have Stratton listed as co-closer on roster resource, but I just don't see it. 
Yeah, I mean, you go back and, and look at some of the Pirates teams of the not-so-distant past. I think of the Jason Grilly as a <laughs> Pirates closer. Of Well, it's been a little while since he was a closer. but Grilled cheese. The grilled cheese video. They had a grilled cheese being cooked in his closer <laughs> hype video. <laughs> like they had to roll this white horse and they just had a grilled cheese. <laughs> They're like, I think they zoomed in on it and like, like the, the bubbling cheese, cheese. oozing out. Yeah. Like, how great is that? That is someone should have been given a trophy for that video. Oh my God, I, I really so believe good. that. But in 2013, Jason Grilly, 33 saves for the Pirates. It, like, that might have been a good year for the Pirates. I'm trying to remember when they were mm. prominent for a little while. Yeah. But anyway, the, the point is, you, if you have sole possession of a, a closer role on a, a last place team, as long as it's your job, they're going to win enough games to get him 25 or 30 saves if he has the job all year. I think that's yeah. fair to say, especially in that division, because that division is not a runaway division for anyone either. And I think you just compare Scott Barlow to David Bednar and you say, David Bednar has higher stuff plus numbers, uh, you know, you know, better, even some better like strikeout rate type stuff numbers. And then uh, the other relievers in the Pirates pen are worse, uh, but it's not like they're great in Kansas City. So they're both two bad teams. So I would say Bednar, better stuff, uh, fewer people pushing him for his role. I'd have Bednar over Barlow, you know. I might even have Trinan, you know, ahead of some of the guys that we just saw. So I'm Trinan over Bednar, but I think Trinan and Bednar stand out in this group to me. I actually think the guy that's going the latest of this group might be the next most interesting. I think Lucas Sims is good. I, I think it's a fair question to say, uh, are the Reds a team that want one closer? I, I don't know if they necessarily do. But we have to at least open our minds to situations where two or three guys share the role and the the most often used member of a committee is still going to be better than some of the other alternatives that go in this range. So I would say I'm in on Lucas Sims. Uh, Joe Barlow is a bit of a mystery. I think that's a situation where I could see Kenley Jansen going and just being the guy. There's a handful of teams where it makes perfect sense, uh, even a short-term deal to just have an established ninth inning option. You sort out the rest of your relievers and try to figure out how to get to the ninth inning on a regular basis. They've been spending plenty of money. I'm curious to know what you make of Joe Barlow and if you prefer him to Scott Barlow, even though Scott goes a little bit earlier. Well, I did until you brought up this Jansen in Texas thing, and then the, I just have one of those like feelings and like where the bottom falls out of your stomach because I have a few shares of Joe Barlow because I thought... You know, I I don't think if with the remaining money they have left that they would sp- spend it on the bullpen, but they could. You're right, and I hate you for it. Um, yeah, sorry. I thought it was a bit of like a Bednar situation where it was like maybe not a great team, best obvious best uh, reliever on a not a great team. Not too many guys that'll probably push him for it unless Jonathan Hernandez and Jose LeCurk come back. You know. Uh, super awesome and super ready from being hurt, but I think even then they'd be they'd be sort of eased back in. Uh, I do think that maybe if you look at Barlow and Spores, he's the other guy with decent stuff numbers in there, and then you think of Hernandez and Le- Leclerc, you might convince your, convince yourself if you're the Rangers that this could come together, you know, and or it could come together in 2023, which may be what you're thinking about anyway, and and maybe you don't want to spend uh, money on a declining closer, so. I kind of think that they are more in uh, the realm of possibilities for Carlos Rodon. I think if they go get Carlos Rodon, that you know the money may dry up at some point. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, but I think I see Barlow as a as a as a Bednar light, I guess, or as it's like Bednar. Maybe maybe with that asterisk of maybe they spend and get get another closer. 
If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So we got some confirmation at the end of the season. I think one of the last times A.J. Hinch spoke to the media at the end of the 2021 season, he said Gregory Soto is the closer going into 2022, which is nice to have that confirmation. How how likely is he to keep the job throughout the season, though, based on the skills and stuff that we've seen to this point? Yeah, he has poor command. He has the worst command numbers of the uh, possibilities for the closer role there. Michael Fulmer, Jose Cincinero, maybe Kyle Funkhauser. Funkhauser doesn't have the stuff, though, so it's really Michael Fulmer that's going to push him. And if Soto loses it, it's 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 probably not because he's left-handed since they've already anointed him closer, but it's probably because he just walks the lineup too many times. And I'll and I'll have to admit, as much as I like Soto, and as much as I, you know, will probably have shares of him this year, that uh, there that is a possibility. It's poor command. You know, it's just he could just you know walk eight guys in a week <laughs> and lose his role. Mm-hmm. Like it's just I have to admit that's in the realm of possibility. But where he's going, uh, you know, a lot of times I have him as my third closer. If you can if you can pull that somehow, uh, Soto and Barlow have been my third closers. For some reason, Bednar uh, is getting hype in in drafts, and I've wanted him for my third closer, and he's starting to go more like a second closer. Yeah, I, I think this is this is actually a decent group to choose from because you can talk yourself into probably two or three different guys. By this point, I'd like to have two relievers rostered. If I get all the way through this group and I've only got one, I'm going to have to take a lot of shots. It does and get, get worse to, even to churn. <laughs> after this. Yes, we have uh, Tier 4, Dylan Floro, Jake McGee, Lou Trevino, Matt Barnes, Andrew Kittredge, Ken Giles coming off Tommy John surgery, Rowan Wick. Uh, If you keep going further down, if we we make this like pick 190-ish to 300 or so, you get Alex Reyes in there, you get Paul Seawald in there. Can I tell you something? Pass. On everyone? Almost everyone, dude. Pass. I have a piece coming out about closers and... Oh, like their second, their setup men on these teams. <laughs> I, I already said why I don't like McGee. Let me just give you now the list of closers that have sub 100 stuff plus Rowan Wick, Kyle Finnegan, Will Smith, 
and Lou Trevino. I believe Lou Trevino has the worst stuff plus among any closer in baseball. Hmm. Matt Barnes was on the a... Matt Barnes was on our list of uh, mm-hmm. with the enforcement. McGee was on the list of enforcement. I have a nice thing to say about the next guy. The other guy's coming back from Tommy John is in a in a crazy ass bullpen. We talked about Alex Reyes. Uh, and I have a nice thing to say about the last guy. So there's two guys I can say something nice on this list. Ken Giles once punched himself in the <laughs> face walking off the field. Therefore, I just You're can't. I can't. Just out. There's not, I mean, I, I think of things people could do on the field that would be like, oh, I, I just, I mean, obviously there's other stuff that happens off the field. You're like, yeah, I'm just out. Well, who like, was that, who that reliever that uh, was celebrating? He was on the Marlins. He was celebrating. He did like a punch up in the air and he fell down. I don't Was it Plesak? Anyway. I don't know. They showed it. They showed it on MLB Network all the time, where he's trying to celebrate and he fell down. <laughs> this is a really rough group. I just I don't see Trevino keeping the job. I think we talked about AJ Puck briefly on the show yesterday. Yeah. I think he's worth the dart where he's going because it would make a lot of sense to just say, "You're a closer. Let's get sixty great innings from you this year, and you're going to make a lot of money eventually. You know, it's going to be somewhere else because we're going to trade you in three years, but." Be try to be the next Josh Hader. I, I don't think that's a, a necessarily terrible ask of, of AJ Puck at this point. Kittredge, he'll at least step into. I mean, that's also the way they've been using him. That's what we talked about in the last one. It's like in, in they haven't really uh, stretched him out as much that recently. And then he he could step right into the role that Deakman had last year at the very least, where he's going to get some saves and just be their lefty. Kittredge, I think, is pretty. There's interesting. There's the one this, I like him. It, it's the it's a revolving door there. It's like, so you, hard, yeah. For, for whatever warm fuzzy feeling you get paying up for job security early you're never getting that with the way the rays have handled things lately i mean you go back to the the peak fernando rodney season and some things that have happened there over the the course of like a decade they didn't say oh yeah sometimes they go to one closer but usually they don't kittredge has good skills he doesn't have like the nasty 35 percent k rate that you want in an elite closer but if you're taking a shot here you want a, a partial share of a role and you want a guy that's probably not going to hurt you on the way out the door those are the boxes that i think andrew kittredge can tick that a lot of guys in this group don't the giles thing for me it's not actually him punching himself in the face it's that they have about six relievers that they could close tampa and seattle like if you're looking to handcuff like in a draft and hold or like own a own a bullpen stay away from tampa and seattle because i love uh, paul seawald and i and and you know i like ken giles and, and i like andrew kittredge but there's no way to th- feel like you have a handle on these bullpens like there's just no way i think that they they they're just excellent bullpens that could just share it around and i think that's gonna be really difficult the only exception i have to that though is mono leagues Mm -hmm. because in a mono league let's say you've got your big horse closer for 15 19 bucks right that's you know 19 bucks that's that's where the the best closers go you got one well to win a mono league you normally have to have two closers so then you take a shot at a $5 closer, right? Or a $6, like a, you know, somebody that you think might close. If you can get Pete Fairbanks, JP Fireisen, JT Chargeois, Ken, well, I guess you wouldn't get Ken Giles, but if you could get D, Diego Castillo. Um, yeah, Castillo is going to be a little bit cheap, probably three, four bucks probably. You know, Diego Castillo, uh, Andres, Andres Munoz, Munoz. 
Mm-hmm. If you can get those guys for like two, three bucks, it was. I think it's worth going for a buck more to get one of those guys because I think they'll factor in and I think they'll be good and that you can drop them if you if they're not. But you know, you're not. You're. It's not a huge investment, but you might get ten saves and really good numbers for cheap, and those are still saves. You know, so I don't like. I don't like paying top dollar in these bullpens. As much as Seawald is, is amazing, it's a really good bullpen. He's got a bit of a funky release. I'm a little bit little bit worried that Stuff Plus overvalues funky releases, but you know, that's still to be studied. But just generally, both of those bullpens are tough because of how good they are up and down and how they've shown in the past that they're just willing to sort of, you know, spread the love. If I were in a mono league or it's a draft and hold situation, Seawald is the guy that I actually like the most all around. If you said you got to take one shot in Seattle, it's it's still Seawald. I mean, great results last year, plenty of K's, uh, kind of fits the bill as a, a staff filler that a lot of other relievers don't necessarily fit. I think with Giles, we're still waiting for him to come all the way back from injury. So he's he's a little bit of a, an early season risk in that regard. It's worth pointing out that Kittredge and Seawald do have the best. Um stuff plus in both of their pens uh but the people throw harder in their pens than they do both of both of them and it's more for seawall but oh the darts time yeah we're gonna throw some darts we could do this like we didn't start the fire style uh <laughs> not actually like singing the words in, in that sort of way but more just like less looking singing for me yes yes less singing is probably uh one of the things that people ask for the most when they leave reviews <laughs> of this podcast but we can do see the thing is if you want you know to sing we can set up a soundcloud where you know sings about whatever you want you can <laughs> sing covers you can do karaoke uh, we can do all that on a, like a, a separate feed that way people who want that can have that but the people that don't aren't subjected to it and that <laughs> seems like the best of all worlds uh so i'm going to run through team by team a to z there aren't, there's not a z team yet that's all oh, baseball the future on the 3 show that we should have a z team 30 <laughs> years from now i don't know what we're gonna call them i don't know where they're gonna play we should have a Z team. Zealots. The zealots. <laughs> uh, so just the A to Z approach to the bullpen. Can't be if you didn't listen to anything. The umpires. <laughs> if you tuned out for the last hour and you're you're still listening, thank you for just leaving the podcast <laughs> on. It's fantastic for the metrics. Team by team, rapid fire. We're just going to look through Angels, Rice, Iglesias, safe. Like him at the price. Mm-hmm. Astros, Ryan Presley, good at the price. We like him. Early guy that you want to get. A's Lou Trevino, no, just don't don't do it. Don't AJ so. Puck's the clear dart. If you're if you're taking a shot in Oakland, it's AJ Puck, uh-huh. right? Okay. Blue Jays Jordan Romano, pretty safe for now. I'm going to say his name before Eno oh, does. Oh no no no! I want to say Julian Merriweather. Oh, <laughs> I've never said his name on the podcast before Fart because you always you. say it first. Yeah, he just needs to stay healthy. AL only reserves and maybe like your last pick in a, a draft and hold if you're trying my last to two picks, throw one last dart. And my last two picks and my last draft and hold were Griffin Jackson and Julian Wehrmeyer. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Atlanta, Will Smith, we were both kind of out on at the price. Him. If you're throwing a dart there, is it Jackson? Is it Matzik? Is it Minter? Who, who's your next up there? Go on Minter. You're going Minter. I think I would actually go Matzik, but I also will say even though there's plenty of skills there, this is more of the crowd that I would say I'm, I'm throwing, I'm throwing my dart into a smaller crowd in hopes of being more likely right by some other situation. I kind of feel like someone will be mostly the closer there. That it doesn't strike me. There is a little bit of a whiff of Seattle and Tampa, but not quite. 
Brewers, Josh Hader, safe. Just a question of how it's, how much it's going to cost you to trade it. I think it's Williams. I think Cousins is in like three years as a closer. Yeah, yeah. Williams is the easy next in line. Format dependent whether or not you're actually trying to stash him though while you wait for that. Skills are pretty close to good enough though to just use him as a staff filler in certain deep mixed leagues. Cardinals, Gallegos is the guy for now. Who's your fallback Hicks. option there? You're, okay, you're on Hicks making the full comeback. Mm-hmm. To me, it's silly that they're trying to stretch him out as a starter. That's just absurd. What What are you thinking? You said Road Wick had bad stuff for the Cubs. He sounds like a guy that would throw hard and also have a closer video that has a candle. Um, <laughs> I feel... Like, actually, no, it'd be a long wick the, on some dynamite sign, or something. What is that song, The Candle in the Wind? Uh, That'd be horrible and trippy. Be, <laughs> no, it'd be really funny because it'd be so bad. <laughs> It would be like, uh, uh, was it that Josh Reddick did? Careless Whisper. Careless Whisper Candle has been done. It would be so weird in the ninth inning. It was great. Would you even, you wouldn't even jog out from the pen. You'd walk in. <laughs> You'd be like blowing kisses. Like, very slowly. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be weird. So weird. Like, uh, so which Cubs reliever do you like? I, if I feel like they are looking at a different stuff plus number than I am because all of their relievers are below 100 stuff plus and they're the only bullpen that has that. So I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I look at this uh, and I have no idea. I really, the first person I ever saw, I ever read a piece about stuff about stuff was Jeremy Greenhouse who works for the Cubs. So maybe he's just galaxy branding something that I don't have in my numbers. But I don't like any of them. But if I had to do, uh, pick one, it would be Manuel Rodriguez. Yeah, if he's healthy, he's really interesting. I'm going to say if I had to throw another dart, and this is another pen that I'm not doing that, uh, it's, it's, it's Cody Hoyer, mm-hmm. right? Is that the German pronunciation? The, oh, the correct pronunciation? So one of the times yeah. I can get it right. <laughs> uh, Mark Melanson looks pretty safe with the Diamondbacks. I, I actually thought JB Bacoskis was going to emerge for that role and you know make them not want to sign a closer. <laughs> I was wrong about that. Mm-hmm. Not even close. I uh, said Ramirez, Ramirez has, has, has good stuff. stuff. I don't know. I don't think I'm stashing anyone from that pen in most situations right now. Uh, we both like Blake Trinan a bit. If they went with someone else as their primary source of saves from the people they have, is it Daniel Hudson? I mean, Stuff Plus says Gratterall, but I just I don't see the usage saying that, so I think it would be Hudson. Yeah, I think he'd be the stash if you want to take a stash there. If we're not certain about Duvall's hold on the role in San Francisco, is there a Giants reliever that you do like as a late value? I mean, Tyler Rogers, but yeah, yeah, I would. He's I can't believe Tyler Rogers is going so much further. Like Tyler Rogers, one twenty Stuff Plus, Camilo Duvall, one hundred four. I don't know. If we want saves. You know, don't we want Tyler Rogers instead of Taylor Rogers based on how things have been working out? In fact, the over under on that is very interesting. (laughs) We could do a prop bet on this Tyler or Taylor for saves next year. I want to see Taylor Rogers get 25 plus saves, but it just doesn't quite play out that way. Uh, Guardians, Emmanuel Classe looks really stable. The Karinchak collapse, I'm not throwing a dart there. I'm actually kind of curious to see if Anthony Ghost can make it to a high leverage role. That'd be a nice. Nice story if that happens, but I'm not really speculating. Classe doesn't really have uh, that crazy of platoon split since his fastball had so much cut. So I don't even think it, I don't think they would even go to like a lefty righty situation there. But Ghost could end up being the eighth inning guy. Uh, so if you're in saves and holes, that's kind of interesting. Mariner situation very crowded. Uh, Seawald was my preferred dart since that's not really a, a situation where you have a clear cut guy. 
could be a mess all year because they are loaded, uh, which Munoz is super, super exciting. If you're in a dynasty league and uh, you can afford to not get saves in the first year, pick up Munoz this year. Marlins, Dylan Floro didn't really mention him. He was going up in that that tier four cluster of, of, of pitchers to avoid. So if we're avoiding Dylan Floro, is there a Marlins reliever that we're drafting? Or are we thinking that maybe someone that gets bumped from the rotation ends up in that spot? Please get the draft kit anyway, but I explained why Anthony Bender is a better bet than Dylan Floro. So. Still something that could change there if they scoop someone else up, though. It doesn't look like they necessarily have their primary source of saves already locked in. I guess I guess you could get Jansen there. They're willing to spend, and they would make that bullpen a lot better. I mean, yeah. I would. like that fit. You, would, you don't want to be giving Anthony Bass the ball a lot. That was a, a Paul Sporer suggestion in a, a draft and hold chat I was in recently. And I, I was like, yep, that works too. It's, it's Texas or Miami for me if Jansen's leaving L.A. Uh, Edwin Diaz, we talked about some of the warts. Probably the guy throughout the season. But if he's not, is it Lugo? Is it Trevor May? Is it someone else? Trevor May. Trevor May. Very affordable in these early drafts as well. Oh, man, the Nats. There's a bullpen. We didn't even have a name come up in the earlier part of the show. Well, uh, Finnegan was one of the sub 100 stuff plus guys. So uh, I have a, I have a, I actually think this is rife for some fun stuff here. Tanner Rainey, 109 stuff plus Kyle Finnegan, 97. Give me, give me Tanner Rainey, 10 rounds. Yeah. Later. Rainey, I think makes some sense. Uh, they can't ever seem to get Austin Voth right. Uh, even though mm. other teams might be able to fix him. So I'd be curious to see what happens if they gave him that shot. In the ninth inning, they should just let him start. He's better than some of their back end starters. Not that I'm mad yeah. about it. Uh, the Orioles, another team that didn't have someone pop earlier in the show. Tyler Wells is the guy that I, I like there. I know Cole Sulcer has got some saves. Tanner Scott throws really hard from the left side, but Tyler Wells has a pretty good track record in the minors. The season ended with some shoulder inflammation, but he was coming off of a, a two year layoff of being able to pitch in games. So. Is he going as the closer? I think he's got the earliest ADP of the bunch. Wells is going around pick 344. He's Fangraphs. Yeah. He's listed on Fangraphs as the closer. Uh, stuff plus like Stanner Scott the best, 115, but Tyler Wells 109 is pretty good. Uh, the changes in the outfield there might make the a reliever more rosterable there. Um, and I think you might still get 20 saves out of this closer. Uh, I like Wells. Uh, I like Scott also as a, as a late dart. Yeah, Scott, I mean, you look at the the numbers he's posted over the course of his career. He broke through in 2017. Really, 18, 19, and 21 are the three seasons that he's had that weren't cut short by you know pandemic stuff or just being late to the party. ERA is near five bad whips. It If you watch him, it doesn't make sense. But Wells, definitely some, some better level-to-level results. So I'm going Wells like the market is in this case if I'm trying to get something out of that Orioles bullpen. Padres, oh, another one where you can kind of choose your own adventure. And kind of surprising, no one popped earlier in the show here. It looks like a, a spot where there's a lot of uncertainty. They brought Robert Suarez in after a successful stint in Japan. They still have Emilio Pagan. Pierce Johnson is emerging to be a more prominent option there. Luis Garcia from the Cardinals is kind of interesting. He's been the guy that I've been drafting so far and it is a late late dart where if it doesn't work out there is absolutely no downside yeah i've got uh, i think i've got uh, three drafting holes and three luis garcias so uh i i think he could be it but pierce johnson does have the best stuff plus in this pen 114 
Um, you know, they brought him over from Japan, similar to Robert Suarez. However, uh, a difference, a key difference here, Robert Suarez has had less than a strikeout per inning in Japan for the last two years. It's just a weird, uh, idea for me that he would have less than a strikeout per inning in Japan, come over here and be a closer. So I have a feeling he's not the closer. So, uh, you know, Pierce Johnson, Luis Garcia, I, I'm interested in those guys. Pagan... 111 stuff plus right there with Luis Garcia. It could be him, but I, I feel also like they've they've tried it. I think they've had the chance to give it to him. It's like, I like Drew Pomerantz, but they tried it. They've had the chance to give it to him. They really haven't. So uh, I think it's Garcia or Johnson. Get healthy, Pomerantz. It's a little bit up in the air, and it's not worth a heavy investment. I think Suarez is the new Pierce Johnson. Like They, they brought him back a couple years ago, and it was more low-leverage stuff at first, but... I think I'm Garcia first, Johnson second, Pagan third, if I'm taking shots there right now. If Pomeranz is healthy, I think he easily jumps in, at least to that third position, if not a little bit higher, despite the frustrations in the past. Uh, if Corey Knable doesn't get the job done in Philly and they don't add Kimbrel via trade or, or someone else to be their clear-cut closer, who in that pen do you like as a fallback option? Sam Coonrod. So you're taking him over Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado. Yeah, why'd you say it like you're Oprah? I don't know. (laughs) Come on down. Jose Alvarado has a 93 stuff plus. I'm really surprised by that. But uh, he also has no command, so uh, no thanks. Sam Coonrod supposedly has no command, but had a uh, 102.8 location plus last year. Uh, He also throws wicked hard, so... Uh, I'm going to go with the hard thrower uh, from the right side. Leave Alvarado as a situational lefty, basically. And it's Coonrod or Knievel for me, unless somebody comes in. I like Knievel enough where I'm pretty firmly just taking my chances with him and not messing much uh, with the backup options here, even in really deep leagues. Pirates behind David Bednar. I think we we hinted at this one yesterday, too. I think Mitch Keller is low-key like the biggest threat to David Bednar. And not listed on a depth chart, so it's a, that's a very interesting idea because he would, uh, if he's throwing 100, but, you know, needs to throw 100 to keep uh, to keep everybody off that fastball, he also has really bad command. I mean, he he seems like a future reliever to me. Uh, Banda, Stratton, Underwood are basically average or less uh, aver- less than average of stuff plus. So if it's, be- if it's not Bednar, it's Keller. I'm with you on that. Rangers, Joe Barlow, it seems like he's kind of your guy right now. And if you look at the alternatives, spores, spores, spores. I like spores as a dark horse. Have not drafted him anywhere yet. I'll defile him away for AL only purposes. If we come back and like Hernandez and Leclerc are blowing ninety nine and in camp, I I don't know. I, I just haven't heard any news news on them. I don't really know their timelines. Yeah, uh, no. No short-term optimism for me with them, but hopefully they can get back and get healthy again. We talked about Kittredge and Fairbanks and FireEyes and a little bit in passing. Is that the hierarchy for you with the Rays right now? Yeah, FireEyes had a little bit of a, a issue after the, uh, the sticky stuff enforcement, so that makes me a little bit worried. I like Fairbanks there. Matt Barnes, I think you said you did like, but he was among the, the fallers as well. Garrett Whitlock, we didn't talk about him. I mean, his role is still TBD. They could stretch him out as a starter, but is he just... Next up. I think he could be an okay starter because he has a few pitches. However, that bullpen really needs him. I'm, you know, behind Whitlock and Barnes, it's Brazier, Taylor, and Huroko, Huroko Sawamura, who has really, really bad command, like really bad, like among the worst we've talked about today. I think maybe the worst. So uh, that's, I don't think you can trust him in the very end of the game. You, you kind of hope you kind of put him in the middle, I think. 
Uh, Brazier is all right, but he's not great. And Taylor's a lefty that's decent, but I don't think he has necessarily closer stuff. So I think they need to keep Whitlock back there. Maybe he's the closer to begin the year. That's how Fangraphs has it. Uh, I kind of think it's Matt Barnes. I, maybe they're just going to throw them both out there in spring and decide in spring. Yeah, Whitlock would go in that tier four group by ADP with Floro and Jake McGee and Trevino and a lot of guys we don't like. I, I actually do like Whitlock from a skills perspective. Yeah, I guess I, I like him better than a lot of those other names we talked about in that tier. But I have not been drafting him to this point in draft season. Uh, with the Reds, Lucas Sims, maybe atop the, the list right now. Is there anyone else that you'd like, though, if Sims gets hurt or it doesn't work out? Stuff Plus is Art Warren. Uh, Amir Garrett has decent Stuff Plus, but the command, I think, is the reason why he has all those blowups. And he has a lot of blowups. And I think he's had the chance to kind of be the closer and hasn't kind of really taken it by the horns. So I think Art Warren is a... It's hard to recommend him. Like I, even fifteen team late, maybe fifteen team late, because Lucas Sims is not necessarily assured of the role. So Colorado, we've got Carlos Estevez atop the depth chart. Daniel Bard is still there. Robert Stevenson might be the the best option of the bunch if they let him have a shot at it. Yes, Stevenson actually has the best stuff plus in that pen, uh, and Bard throws harder than the closer. Uh, so Steve, I think that's a more unsettled. I've seen, you know, Estevez d- does fall because it's Colorado, but, um, I think he could fall even further. I would say that's pretty unsettled or will be shortly. We got the Royals a little bit earlier. If you're not into Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman is the guy that I actually like the most. Throws hard, has had a pretty mm-hmm. good track record throughout his time in the minors. Doesn't really have anything left to prove there. Should break camp. I think the only problem with a guy like Coleman is that it may take a month before they give him chances to close. Like they, they have so many other guys they mix and match late that he has to sort of prove himself in lower leverage spots before they would actually put him in that situation. The way I like Coleman is this. I think that what you need to do is remember Dylan Coleman's name, and let's say you picked Luis Garcia in San Diego in a, in a league where you can drop lies, and, and Luis Garcia is not the closer, and you're looking to drop Luis Garcia. You should leave that position that's that spot on your bench as a closer speculation spot and what you should do is go get someone like dylan coleman before they even pitch the eighth or before the ninth inning guy starts losing his job right uh and and just sort of speculate because what you can do then is save free agency auction money by spending two dollars on dylan coleman in week two uh and then maybe in week five or six he's the closer um and you paid two bucks for him instead of paying thirty dollars for him the week he becomes closer. Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about Coleman in the short term with that longer runway for him to possibly get that opportunity. Gregory Soto, the guy in Detroit right now, if he breaks down, is Michael Fulmer a viable fallback option again? That's really all I got. Yeah. The twin situation, I mentioned earlier on the show, Taylor Rogers only had nine saves last year. Hansel Robles had a bunch last year uh, along with Alex Colomay. They're both gone. Allow me one one where I don't name the name. Just allow me one, okay? It's a teaser. Right. You know, the draft kit drops Monday. There's a pitcher on this team that has a better stuff plus than Taylor Rogers. Uh, I wrote about him for Monday. I'll, I'll, I'll drop a hint. There are two righties in that bullpen that I like as darts because they're very cheap. You know, wrote about one of them. Yep. So you have that to look forward to. White Sox, Liam Hendricks, clearly the guy if he gets hurt. If Kimbrell gets traded and Hendricks gets hurt, 
they could go at least three different directions. You could make an argument for Graben, Bummer, or Crochet. And because Bummer and Crochet are both lefties, I think you could use a lefty as a closer. I think it's one of those situations where... I think it might be Bummer. Those guys are, are rosterable in AL-only leagues and maybe draft Although in a Bummer is the name of your closer. Well, yeah, you could, you could do worse, but... <laughs> yeah, like Josh lost the game. <laughs> Is that, a, is that a real player? Is that a high A guy? Yeah. Lost the game? Uh, Yankees are old as Chapman. I think I have a few more concerns than you do. If Aaron blew it. There, yes. <laughs> Wait, sorry. <laughs> what, your, what team were you? Yankees, last one. If, if something happens to a old as Chapman, Who's the actual closer? I love Chad Green. I've I've rostered Chad Green without him being, you know, giving me any saves. Um, I think it would be Chad Green, but uh, Loisaga, as he stays healthy, and then people just don't understand how good Clay Holmes is. He had a one fifteen stuff plus. Like he actually has the, you know, the third best uh, stuff plus in that in that pen. In fact, Chad Green had better stuff plus last year than Aroldis Chapman. That is, that's a new thing. That has just happened. So. Anyway, they believe in stuff plus. Guess what? They average for about a 120 stuff plus among their top four relievers. That's pretty so. good. Chad Green's not cheap, though. Yeah. You're throwing a dart at like pick 350 on him, but I think you can use him. I would, if it's a dart situation, maybe the Weisinger then. Yeah, I don't think there's as much, much interest in him because it seems like he's further away from those saves. Actually, 354 is his ADP. What are we doing with this Yankees bullpen? He's, he's not going to start. Weird. Very weird. Yankee, Yankee, uh... The Yankee brand? Yeah, I guess so. Well, hopefully that helped a lot of people along the way. Um, We covered a lot of ground on this episode, a very long episode. And obviously, again, if you're the commissioner of a league, you should strongly think about tweaking the way you handle relievers in your league. Hopefully, saves plus holds is at least a step in the right direction until we get some better stats that we can use. Uh, the pitcher Fortnite is over, but we can still. <laughs> what is Mugatu? Oh, uh, you said you felt like you were taking crazy pills earlier, which is exactly what <laughs> Mugatu in Zoolander Mugatu says is... when uh, Magnum okay. Blue Steel. <laughs> it's the same face. <laughs> it's so, so I, I changed that while there was a, a banner up. At least you didn't put it to blue the game. <laughs> Eno lost the game. Uh, yeah, so pitcher questions always uh, encouraged along with any other questions and emails. I was gone for about a week, so I didn't really read any emails for the last week. I'm going to catch up on them on Friday. That's my Friday activity. I catch up on emails. Uh, you can send us a question, ratesandbarrels at theathletic.com. You can ask a question under the comments part of the video on YouTube. We'll be sure to check those as well. And we've got a special deal right now. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get one for $1 a month for the first six months at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels because the draft kit drops on Monday. So there's going to be a lot of content rolling out then. And it's a great way, of course, to support the work that we do here on Twitter. I'm at Derek Van Riper. He is at Eno Saris. That's going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.